May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, episode number 31, coming at you from the Upper 40 studio Mm -hmm. here in, uh, well, we're not under City Hall in the bunker anymore. We had to get out of there. Had to get out of there. Yeah, they were bringing the heat. Yeah. It was a little too hot. (laughs) (laughs) No, we were in the boiler room. I tell you, it's hot in there. (laughs) No ventilation. Hey, yeah, we're glad to have you back. Hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode, the Mm -hmm. first video episode. We've uh, made a couple changes for this one, and... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't shave, which would have been a good change to make. But I decided <laughs> decided I didn't have time to do that. Anyway, but we're back. I'm Jeremy Boyd, and I got uh, who do I got with me here? Alex, got Alex, and uh, we got a special guest, Mr. Jacob Leeming. Yeah. Hello, hello, welcome. Thank you. Is uh, he was just kind of hanging out on the street, and we thought, hey, this guy looks interesting. Maybe you look cold. Come on in. <laughs> it is getting colder now, isn't it? Well. What are we going to talk about today, Al? I thought we would talk about uh, a couple things, but we could start by talking about medicine and politics. It's basically the umbrella. And um, the basically the last, last couple of years, we've seen that everything has been politicized. Um, this is becoming the new normal for people. Things, you know, we... We've kind of grown up in Canada with a, an idea that politics is uh, largely irrelevant and, in the least, uh, separate from most of our lives. Thank and thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, on one level, I mean, Canada's always been heavily bureaucratic, so you know, public health and a lot of um, you know public institutions, sure, and the bureaucracy that comes with those. But for the most part, I mean. You, you you don't really notice it and you you feel as though the main things the important things uh, are separate from politics and the freedom to make decisions um, you know politics kinds of stays they stay in their lane uh, but the last several years obviously has been a total erosion of those boundaries and lines and as we've seen everything is being political mm. um, one of the you know the you know, the interesting charges, we've had against us as a church as we've sought to be obedient to Christ. Um, and if that means disobeying Caesar, then so be it. We should obey God rather than man. Is that we're being political. And this is curious because the people who are saying that are suggesting that we should do everything the politicians say right. in order to not yeah. be political. What you're actually doing is trying to remove politics yeah. from an area of your life. Yeah, we're trying to say, yeah. can we just not have the state running our worship services? That'd be great. Can we just not have the state thinking that they have authority over any and all matters of public safety? Yeah, you actually believe that there's a separation between church and state. Yeah, you know, like a like a, a hallmark of a Western democracy. Right, right. Um, so it's, what's surprising is that most Christians in Canada— and most Canadians see no problem with this overreach. They wouldn't even describe it as overreach. And I think part of that is we've discussed on the show a lot is uh, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. Most Canadians don't have a category for this the state's involvement in our life being a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Most people have a naive um, view of the state that they are good, uh, that they are actually better than most people. 
and the most most normal people are actually not to be trusted, but the state is. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the classic um, proclivity of humans to deify the state, to, to ascribe to the state attributes which only belong to God. So omniscience, that they are all knowing, omnipotence, that they're all powerful. We can keep you safe as if any human. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to lower the uh, water level in the ocean and change the climate and, and stop a airborne virus. Yeah, exactly. Eh, you don't really have the... Uh, the power to do that actually mm-hmm. but, yeah but because people don't live in reality and they live such privileged lives they believe like oh that's not, maybe you can do that um so there's been a politicization of everything it was a neil ferguson is that the name of the scientist who came out with the uh in london the college yeah. they came out with the original projections mm-hmm. uh which are which are totally off they were discredited um, pretty much immediately yeah pretty much immediately except in the media um he he made a comment about you know trying to lock down and we're like well that won't happen you can't do that in the west you can't just they're 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 a socialist state they're a totalitarian state you can't do that in a western democracy he's like and then we did and we realized we could and he wasn't—he wasn't even saying like it was a bad thing. It was just—it genuinely surprised him yeah. what governments could get away with. All of this is kind of an introduction to the idea that now even our medicine—well, uh, it has been for some time—but um, our medicine is a lot more politicized than people think. I grew up thinking that uh, medicine and politics are totally separate. That is that is so not true, and it hasn't been true for our entire lives. No, we it just hasn't. Didn't realize it, before. and I just didn't. Re- yes, yeah. exactly. It hasn't been true. Yeah. Um, so our healthcare system is totally embroiled in politics. Um, so Dr. Sean Watley was um, he wrote a book about politics and Canadian healthcare, and um, yeah, it's always been a problem. But but COVID has exposed this. What I want to kind of dive into is. And to help people um, is to be aware of this reality that even our even the doctors and healthcare professionals are telling us things with a bias, like all people have, uh, and they actually are. Um, there is a great agenda that's political. That's not based on evidence. That's not based on reason and science. Um, it is purely political, and we are seeing methods of uh, political engagement being applied to medicine, which is wrong. Yeah. So methods of coercion, deception, manipulation being used by by quote-unquote medical professionals. Um, it's a scary thing because you count on, I mean, not only your doctor, but the whole system, the bureaucrats that are in charge of running hospitals and healthcare, you know, health unit officials. You expect them to be reasonable people who base their decisions on evidence. Right. So, I mean, I can, when you say that right off the bat, I can think of 10 different ways where those two, the line between politics and medicine is blurred. And I'll give you one example. So um, a health executive in Peterborough being able to make legislation for Peterborough. Mm -hmm. It's like, when did that become a thing? Yeah. That somebody who runs a bunch of doctors and, you know, really important machinery there is able to actually tell people who they can and can't have into their house. Yeah. When did that become a thing? Yeah. So is that that's kind of what you're talking about? Oh, that, yeah. I the mean, blurring we see, of the lines there? Of course. We've seen like the, the medical officers of these various reasons uh, being handed political power. And we've seen them engage under the guise of public health in political campaigns. Um, 
and this is even what they've stated. You know, when we when we read, for example, um, that a lot of the in, initially the hesitancy towards masks, which is based on science. You know, there's no point, there's no scientific basis for implementing non-medical masks on the general populace. There's none. There still remains none. Yeah. If anybody tells you there is, just ask them for the studies. They don't exist. It's and not if, a thing. And if they send you a study, read it carefully and see what it says. They don't exist. And, we, and we've done data on this for 40 years. This isn't a new thing. It, yeah, the funny thing about that is if you actually told somebody that, they would say, no, it's like there's a there's some for and some against, and so we no, should there's just not. be able to decide. But it's actually not. No. It's like 100%, 0%. Yeah, there's nothing. So where I'm going with that, though, is that they've acknowledged that a large part of their... Um, they'll say something like, initially, we saw this in the States, right, with Fauci. Well, I told you that they don't work because we needed to conserve masks. Wait a second. Well, that wasn't the well, reason. Well, we asked you a question as a medical professional. We were asking you for a scientific answer that you would give us an answer based on evidence. The actual question was, you know, are masks effective and should we be implementing them? And you said no. He gave us a supply chain answer. Yeah, that's not what we're asking you. So you see that at the top level of, of quote unquote science, it's a it's a political answer. Now, and I'm not even weighing in on whether that's right or wrong, or someone might come back and say, well, well, that was a responsible it's completely irrelevant. We just need to acknowledge that that wasn't a science, a sci- an evidence-based answer. That was something else. Um we've seen that with the local health unit. I mean, someone shows up to our church, the 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 main lady here, and she chastises our volunteer when we're following all protocol um, for the dollop size of hand sanitizer. And then she proceeds to lie to us about the legislation surrounding um, protocols multiple times. And her assistant had to pull out a physical copy of the legislation and contradict her superior in front of us um, and, and, and show that she was lying. It's quite awkward. But she was engaging in a political and a uh, and, and an illegal campaign, mm-hmm. you know, in her own words, enforcement. That's not that's not your job, okay? Before you know, two weeks ago, your name is on the on the the church basement for checking for salmonella. That's your lane. Stay in it. Um, what happened was a lot of politicians didn't want any responsibility, and they just said, "We'll give all the authority to these people," but. They're functioning as politicians. We've seen this. This has become um, more dangerous, and maybe we'll zero in here, as people consider going through medical procedures, namely the vaccine. Um, I kind of think most people research things and look into things and talk to people about things, but I realize I live in a bit of a bubble in that um, I talk to people who can do their own research have time to do research. My family has done this, my extended family for the most part, you know, my my own person, my siblings and stuff. Um, I'm in a congregation that thinks about things. Uh, I'm not surrounded by coworkers who are ideologues. I'm not surrounded by family who are ideologues. Um, but I realize most people are. And I just had several shocking conversations where I realize that people are just believing a whole lot of mis and disinformation. And now, do you um, think that's because of ideology or just because of that trust in in these institutions? 
But the trust thing is an ideology. Like an ideolo- ideological thinking is incapable of hearing other views. So what you do when you hear something that contradicts your view is you either discredit it, destroy it, or dismiss it. That's what you do. Instead yeah. of integrating it into your thinking and either changing your thinking, rejecting maybe some things you thought, or just, just adding to it. Ideologues can't do that. So with the trust thing, if you're if you if you read the state media, which CBC is, um, and actually over 90% of our media receives state funding. We don't have a free press in this country, just so you know. Um, it's true of many churches, too. And apparently it's true of many churches. Yeah. When you hear your state media say something, quoting some health official, and you think that it is inherently wrong to even ask a question, um, I mean, you're, you're, fl- you're flirting with ideological thinking, not critical thinking. When you when you uh, live in narratives of either total unthinking compliance and naive trust or uh, foolish rebellion, if those are your two options, um, you're setting up a false set of options here. You don't need to reject any and all things anyone with authority says to be reasonably critical of things, to assess people's claims. Um, but we've we've. We've seen that that hasn't been the case. So, to be specific, the first time I realized um, this was shady business with the vaccines had nothing to do with any particular evidence surrounding these particular vaccines. Um, I've I've got vaccines. I'm also leery of when vaccination becomes a thing where you have to um, front load your conversations with, well, I have them or I'm not anti-vax or whatever. Then it's no longer an evidence-based conversation. Yeah. It's a political conversation. I'm on the righteous good side. I'm a reasonable person. Don't dismiss me. Uh, when that starts happening and I see that happen, which you did since day one, I'm like, okay, there's a, there's a, this, this conversation is already tainted. Anyways, what happened was the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, which is the, I don't know if you say licensing body for surgeons and physicians, came out with a censorship document. Um, And it said this, The college is aware and concerned about the increase of misinformation circulating on social media and other platforms regarding physicians who are publicly contradicting public health orders and recommendations. Your duty, the duty of your physician, is to make um, a judgment call based on their expert knowledge and experience tailored to you tailored to you <laughs> yeah so if my physician tells me something based on their experience and understanding and they make arguments and not assertions um that's part of the sacred trust that exists between a patient and a doctor to know that they have the freedom and the responsibility to do that so right away this conversation is like what is going on here if you are contradicting the counsel of your doctors, not that there's no place to do that, to provide some kind of standard, uh, but you immediately your red flag should be going up. It's like, well, why are doctors saying things on social media? I didn't read these things. What are they saying? Should be what you think, not immediately, how dare those people? He goes on to say, physicians hold a unique position of trust with the public and have a professional responsibility 
not to communicate anti-vaccine, anti-masking, anti-distancing, and anti-lockdown statements. Okay, you just put in that one jar with vaccination information, mask information, distance information, and lockdown information. Lockdowns, which is a more of an economic argument. Lockdowns is a every single sphere of life interest right. situation. Religious, economic, social, like sociological, psychological, like um, every aspect of human existence is under lockdowns, which is why being used as a blunt force way of treating a particular problem has been horrendous. Has no scientific backing whatsoever. Every single province Non-pharmaceutical interventions is where the lockdown is, technically speaking. And they are not recommended up until 2019 by the WHO for any kind of viral outbreak far more serious than COVID. And the reason is there are a thousand ill effects to it and very little to gain. And that is precisely what we've seen play out. We did not stop the deaths in the in the places that we needed to. We did not keep the vulnerable more protected, and we caused a whole lot of harm to other people. So you're saying that, and essentially to speak about that is almost a political thing. Um, distancing, excuse me, where is the long-standing medical advice on how far to stand away from someone? We've seen since that the studies they base these things on are arbitrary. They went with six feet because, right? Um, and the mask thing, there is no consensus whatsoever, which the New England Journal of uh, Medicine came out and said until they got piled on politically. Uh, there is no consent. There is no consensus whatsoever that masks are an effective way of reducing. And maybe a doctor is saying you need to stop the mask thing because it's actually endangering people because it's making people feel safe, which is what public health warned us of in the first yeah. place. They said, don't leave your house. Don't think that putting on a mask will help yeah, you. Even, this is their even, message. Even Fauci mm-hmm. said that. Everyone said it <laughs> because there is no evidence to support yeah. otherwise. And people who think they're safe because they have a cloth on their face are, are so naive So this group that oversees doctors is saying you can't even say anything that contradicts the political statements of health before. You are already undermining any trust whatsoever that we have in those people. Um, And they threaten them with investigation, disciplinary action. And uh, this is, when I read this, I realized that you've almost all but removed um, the possibility of informed consent between me and my doctor. And I think for, you have. But for the record, I love my doctor and I think he's a man of integrity. I have not spoken with him about this. And in as much as I trust a person, I trust him. Um, uh, someone who's not you know, part of my family and stuff. Having said that, I know that when I speak with him, and whenever anyone speaks with any of their doctors, they are not allowed to say anything that doesn't toe the party line, that they can be threatened and disciplined. Right away, how can you actually say? So if informed consent means you telling me all the risks involved and helping me make an assessment, when I know that you are not allowed 
to tell me any risks. When the only thing you're allowed to say me under threat of discipline is safe and effective. When I know that, you have, you have disintegrated informed consent, which is a bedrock of medical ethics in the West. And you know yeah, why and it, it is? It basically t- turns your yeah. doctor into a pill pusher. Yeah. You it's know. like, I'm not asking for your political opinion. Uh, I'm asking for your medical opinion. Mm. We had um, Dr. Hoffier West. He treated his patients. He administered vaccines, as every doctor does. And two of them died. And a bunch of adverse reactions. He reached out to his superiors and to the people who are pushing these things. And they just wouldn't get back to him. Or they blew him off. Or they said it must be a coincidence. And then... Um, he asked more questions and more questions, totally blown off. Finally, he wrote an open letter. He's like, can we just get some uh, clarification on what these, what's going on here? And they, they disciplined him and took away half of his salary. That's in Canada. Yeah. So the point I'm trying to draw out from this, at this point, is not to tell you one way or another, but is to tell you that there are serious questions about the trustworthiness of medical professionals when coercion, threats, and censorship are involved. The other thing is it changes, it's based on a um, a faulty view of how you protect the truth. When they say that they are right, that bad information is harmful, but the way you combat that is with the truth. So put out the facts. Yeah. Put out the facts. Mm-hmm. What are they saying? And you say it. But you know that something is full uh, of lies when they can't actually put out facts. They think people are too dumb. Right. They they're afraid of people. Well, I mean, if they're being deceitful, then they know they're lying. So they're just afraid of people hearing the truth and believing it. But a lot of people just don't think that people have the capacity to filter out between misinformation and real information. You know, yeah, the great unwashed like they don't they can't tell the difference. They don't they don't believe in science like we do. Mm-hmm. You know? I really noticed that for the first time when uh, there was on the same day the uh, Grace Elders released a big statement on uh, their position on COVID and all of that kind of stuff. And they were referencing studies, they were referencing data, they were referencing um, tons of other places that people could go to look into this issue more for themselves. And then that same day, I also saw the article from the National Post talking about the Canadian military, how it had come out that they actually viewed the whole COVID situation as an opportunity to test out propaganda techniques on their own citizens, yeah, on Canadian citizens. Media. It's yeah. publicly available. You can Google it. Yeah. It's acknowledged by the military. Yeah. So on, on the one hand, you see that people are image bearers of God who have a right to be informed and to make their own decisions. Yeah. And then on the other view, you people are... Um, not capable of making their own decisions, and so they need to be manipulated and coerced into right. doing what you want them to do. Yeah. Just two very because different ways. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And and this is what I want people to see. Like regardless of where you land on this, this is happening. Mm-hmm. This is objectively true, factual. Um, the other thing that shocked me is when I hear people saying that these things are safe and effective. It's like, well, well, hold the phone. You can't say that. Like, Nobody can say it. No, no one could say that because these are approved for emergency use, right? The, the term isn't actually emergency use. It's, um, what is it in Canada? Um, it um, is emergency use, but it's there's an actual term. Oh, they're authorized under interim orders, Okay, basically. So 
Um, none of the vaccines for COVID have undergone any of or have undergone the kind of testing that is typically required of vaccines. They just haven't. And no one says that. Mm-hmm. They give misleading statements to make people think that, but it's not actually true. They've been approved only under emergency orders, and they have not undergone the kind of rigorous testing. So yeah. it doesn't mean they're not safe on that grounds. That doesn't mean they're not safe. Maybe all of the data that you've conducted has led you to believe that they are, and you can say that. But you need to say, typically, we require this standard of observation Five and testing. Years. Yeah. yeah, 10 years, 15, whatever it is. And we have not done that. But based on what we do know, this, an example is pregnancy. This is why I share this. The craziest thing, I mean, I, I mean, I know of someone personally, they went to their doctor and the doctor's like, so you're getting the shot, she's pregnant. Oh, well, I didn't know that it was, is there any data on, long-term data on, you know, the health risks to infants? Well, no, I guess there's not. Yeah, maybe you should hold off. Sorry, well, you just I'm suggested go find a new doctor. <laughs> yeah, like you just suggested I do something that you admit you have no long-term data on. And again, you can still say the the rebuttal might be, "Well, I'm I'm content with what they do know, and that is fine." But I've talked to so many people who actually think that there's been sufficient testing on these things. They actually think that there's long-term data. The government's doing this huge propaganda campaign about being safe for pregnant women. You don't know that. Literally, you don't know that. It may be true, but you don't know that. You actually can't say that with any kind of credibility. Five years ago, this would be a huge violation of medical ethics. Yeah, And any Mm -hmm. vaccine in testing that had the amount of confirmed adverse effects and deaths that this one has had would mm-hmm. be, would have been shelved already. Yeah. Well, like we're not even talking about yeah, like the unconfirmed, suspe- the suspected ones, but the confirmed ones are way mm-hmm. above the threshold. Yeah. I guess that you want to get to that later. Well, part of being under the, yeah, we'll get, it, get to those. Part of being approved under interim orders means that they are still, as a condition of that approval, undergoing testing. So the Canadian COVID Care Alliance does a great article on this, and they write, the continued use of the experimental vaccines is contingent on the collection of additional data from Pfizer, BioNTech's ongoing study, as well as other surveillance systems, including studies that Canadian adolescents are being invited to enroll in at the time of vaccination to evaluate the safety and effectiveness of the vaccines. So just so everyone knows, when you get a vaccine now in Canada, you are entering into the experiment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you may say that's fine, and I'm willing to, and I trust, and it's fine, and that's fine. But so many people don't know that. So many people think that experiment's been done. It's like, no, you are the experiment. So many people think and, other people yeah. have done that, and they haven't. Mm-hmm. And from what I've gathered, and maybe you guys can correct me on this, but it sounds like the 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 uh, brunt of the the work as far as the analysis of the effectiveness and safety is all being done by the manufacturers themselves. Yo, like, that is. They it's are not gathering like third-party um, labs are are testing this stuff. It's you know Pfizer and Moderna or whoever doing their own studies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was listening to somebody who was analyzing their own studies, and basically they're each leaving out key elements that would um, really give us answers. And so we're, there's left to conjecture. Well, the the Canadian COVID Care Alliance specifically says that Pfizer's clinical data 
in children are limited and provide no information on rare but serious adverse effects or long-term safety as well as efficacy. Their data does not include that, which brings up the other thing. So, so that's stated. You can go research that yourself. They are not collecting this data, and this is proven to be the case in the hospitals. So I've spoken to multiple nurses personally who have told me that when they see someone come in, 99.9% sure as an adverse reaction, there is zero investigation and there is an active effort to not tie them together. Oh, you're experiencing a stroke. Oh, you're experiencing heart enlargement. Must be a coincidence. No investigation whatsoever. So we know that the company is not gathering that data, which is probably why in the hospitals they are not gathering this data. Mm-hmm. Some people are, but most people aren't. But mm-hmm. time, time will reveal this, right? Because we, uh, all these conditions that, that people are having, myocarditis and all these other ones, we kind of have a baseline for how many of those happen over the course of a year. Yeah, And so even though maybe they're not being investigated or reported, we're going to see a spike in all of those. Well, it depends how they record the data. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, in the West, like, just say West, we saw in Alberta, their 14-year-old, or was it BC? Alberta. Alberta, it, yeah. 14-year-old died of brain cancer. You know, rest in peace. It's a horrific tragedy. And the bureaucrats at the health department go and use it to say he died of COVID. Until a family member saw it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It was like, what in the world? He died of brain cancer. He had a PCR test two days before he died. And he tested positive because everyone <laughs> who gets it tests positive. It is a blatant and a malicious and a wicked lie mm-hmm. to say that he died of COVID. But that's how the numbers are being recorded. And we know that. And the way that Dina Hinshaw, the the chief medical lady out there, described it was that he had complex underlying health conditions Uh, that might have contributed to the death stage four brain cancer which is an example of what we're saying (laughs) the highest level of health official in the province is giving you deceitful Mm -hmm. um uh malicious information there's no other way to interpret that other than just deceit it's just pure pure deceitfulness and it's trying to say something that might be technically true but falsely misleading Mm-hmm. That's that's what this has been the whole time. So when I became weary of these things, the other thing is, I don't know how more people aren't picking up on this. Our own government has flipped face multiple times on the vaccines. Remember when they said AstraZeneca is totally safe and then all the Nordic countries cancel it, cancel it and within two weeks, Canada puts a pause on it? Okay, just right there, that should immediately tell you that at best, to be charitable, uh, we just don't know everything that we should know about safety for these vaccines. At best, there's no malicious intent. Um, we're in a learning process, figuring these things out. Cool. That's fine. But you just acknowledge that. You just told me yesterday that these were safe and effective. And today, that you, you shouldn't even get this. That we're not even allowed to administer this. So people went to their doctors yesterday, and they were administered something based on your counsel that was safe and effective. And they woke up the next day to read the headlines in the CBC and the National Post and Toronto Sun that Canada is canceling the AstraZeneca vaccine for the time being. What are you to make of that? assuming no malicious intent or incompetence, in the very least, it's that we don't know enough about these things yet. 
yeah, which is so are dis- speaking out of turn. And that's, that's what you're getting at. Like you're saying if, if that was all on the table, like, Hey, we're not sure. Yeah. It could be long-term. Get it. If you want, if that was on the Just table, tell and then, the truth. And then the next day they canceled it and say, listen, the, the data is starting to come out. That's I, consistent. That's consistent. You'd say, okay, well, thanks for doing your due diligence. And you know, maybe it wasn't wise to do it in the first place, but at least, you know, at least it wasn't like a, you know, psyops campaign yeah. for the first part of it. Well, and the very and then the very least, it shows that the governing the position of the governing body to censor that kind of discourse is so antithetical to science and so antithetical to medical ethics. Because by your own admission, this is something that is an evolving situation with data that we don't know. So to treat the science all rise as something that is totally settled, that if you even question the the efficacy or the safety of things that have not been fully tested, you are out of line. That is like a religious dogmatism. Mm -hmm. That is not scientific inquiry, and it actually kills it. And it's dangerous. Back to the whole discussion of politics and medicine. It's like, man, I don't want your ideology. I want your evidence. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing that those lines are being blurred. I mean, is it the Moderna that they just canceled for 18 to 24, 18 to 35. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. yesterday you were saying that a doctor can be fired and disciplined for having his patients come back with myocarditis and questioning what's going on and getting nothing and going to Twitter saying, just to warn you, I had a patient who had this adverse reaction. You could be fired and disciplined. The next day, you give the exact same counsel that he gave. So that's when I, I just go, look, I don't think people know how shady this whole thing is. Mm -hmm. And that's without knowing hardly anything in particular about any of the vaccines. It's just all of the deceitful politicking that's going on around it. Now, you you traveled on Saturday to a, a meeting, super secret meeting. To an undisclosed undisclosed location in Canada. It sounds like you heard some pretty crazy uh, data from health professionals on some of the safety issues. Is there... Was there anything that jumped out that... Well, who, who were some of the people that were there? Yeah, I'll, I'll start by going through some of the speakers. Um, the first and probably the most um, well-known would be Dr. Byram Bridal. Uh, he's a name that we've been seeing a lot more recently in uh, social media. He's the Associate Professor of Viral Immunology at the University of Guelph. Um, so obviously has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, obviously no <laughs> idea, right? Uh, and then there was Dr. Bonnie Millard, who was also a professor of immunogenetics uh, in the Department of Pathobiology, University of Guelph as well. And then Dr. Michael Palmer, professor of biochemistry at University of Waterloo. And they were speaking again at this undisclosed location. Um, Some secret underground. Yeah, trying to just <laughs> trying to just give people more... Um, because it's illegal to tell the truth these days. Exactly, yeah. right, or present an alternate opinion mm-hmm. to the dominant narrative. But um, one, of the, one of their kind of main goals with it was to try and bring to light some of the um, potential harms that could come about from the vaccines, and then also some of the harms that um, we are actually beginning to see right now. So you already mentioned myocarditis, uh, heart inflammation, things like that. Those are, those are things that... Um, we actually are already starting to see 
uh, particularly in young males. So Dr. Byron Bridal referenced a study from uh, California that actually found out that the risk of cardiac complications in young males who get vaccinated is six times higher than the risk of being hospitalized due to COVID. I think the number was getting close to one in 5,000 at this point, mm-hmm. which is way higher chance than, than actually having an adverse reaction to the virus or to the yeah to coronavirus itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So six times higher risk from getting the vaccine for this particular age group than COVID was. Mm-hmm. So, and just so people know, inflammation of the heart, it's not like swelling that goes down and goes away. <laughs> yeah. Right. Your heart, uh, the muscle does not regenerate. The cells don't regenerate. It's when they die, damage. they die. It's permanent damage. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not a little thing. Anyway, yeah. I'm sorry to jump in on you there. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, Dr. Michael Palmer, again, he's the University of Waterloo guy. Uh, he was he was raising some concerns that he has about some of the potential um, side effects that could come about. So, again, this is the kind of thing that time will tell. Um, but the way that he, the analogy that he gave is that it could be actually similar to cancer radiation, where um, it's spread out over a long period of time. And the more exposure that you have to it, the more harmful it can be. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's why he was especially concerned about the fact that uh, countries around the world are now starting to implement booster shots, yeah. right? Where now one dose isn't enough, two doses isn't enough. Now you're going to need three. Now you're going to need four. Um, he was saying that that could have some serious implications for people's health moving forward. Uh, and then another one that they, another issue that they brought up was the one that you already, um, talked about the, um, the potential side effects for pregnant women. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess it was actually Dr. Bridal and some of his colleagues that wrote to the people who put out that study initially in the new England journal of medicine. Yeah. Uh, this was the study that was being used to justify the safety of, of vaccinating pregnant women. Mm Uh, they looked at the at the study. They went through the research, and they were like, "Oh, there's there's a bunch of errors in here. This isn't right." And so they contacted the editors of the journal and got the writers, the in, the initial authors, to go through it and pointed out the corrections. And they were like, "Okay, yeah, sorry, we actually made was a it, mistake." This nah. is one of the most prestigious medical journals in the world. Yeah, was it errors in analyzing the data or errors in method? It was. It Both. was. Yeah, it was mathematical calculations and so it actually skewed the result initially it was saying that there doesn't seem to be that much of a difference between you know whether you're vaccinated and you're pregnant or you're not pregnant when they fixed the errors it actually was a drastic difference um and so they had to they had to fix that and what they also had to acknowledge as well is that they couldn't comment on whether or not there would be um, spontaneous abortions caused by it because they didn't study that Mm -hmm. so again they're lying to you when they say there's a study that tells you that this is safe. It doesn't tell you that. And apart from the errors, just the study does not test that um, effectively or sufficiently. That's kind of the big one you want to know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, no, am I going to have a stillborn child? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's, 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 and again, there's no, there isn't long-term data in the world. There isn't long-term data. So if your doctor tells you that there is, they should, you should report them and they should be fired. They won't say that because they'll probably tell you, they will masquerade an assertion as an argument. You know, they'll say studies have been done and they've been shown to, they've been, they've shown that it is safe and effective, but that's profoundly misleading. You know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they may have not indicated any dangers, but they haven't tested sufficiently for them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a huge problem. The other thing, apart from this, is the elephant in the room is the healthcare professionals who are unwilling to do this. So it started to come out that all of these hospitals, when they enforce vaccine mandates, are going to have a huge staffing crisis because many of the staff, which I know just anecdotally, uh, are not comfortable getting the vaccine. And I knew, you know, there were reports from Kingston and Windsor, you know, one hospital, 172 staff, uh, another one, 130 something. You're like, that's not a small number. Um, but then Doug Ford, in his most recent, one of his more recent uh, public addresses, he said tens of thousands if, across the province. And I read that in Winnipeg, it was like 10,000 and 42,000, almost 25% of their staff wow. would have been fired. So it's like, hold up a second. The people who are medical professionals, they know about vaccines and vaccine technology. They're not anti-vaxxers. They probably administered them and they treat people who have them are so unwilling to get them that they are willing to lose their job over that decision. And they're rejecting them at a higher rate than the general public. Yeah, what? why is that? In the very least, whatever, however you want to go down there, in the very least, it makes any kind of threatening, coercive mandates to get this medical procedure so evil and inappropriate. There is clearly space to doubt both the safety and the efficacy of these emergency use um, untested for all normal standards vaccines. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, that's just like, I don't need to know much more than, you know, 10, I think it was 15% in Ontario. Mm -hmm. You know, 15% of the people working in hospitals. and, And keep in mind, that's people who are going to go to the line on this. That's not people who thought, I don't want to do this, but I don't want to lose my job. Yeah. Which if... if That's a large portion. Which is too. a huge, probably more than that amount of people. Like there weren't... There was a small portion of people that were just champing at the bit for this. But most of the people I know are like, yeah, whatever, I'll just do it and get the, you know, get them off my back type of yeah. thing, right? Not really thinking about some of these issues. Yeah, Yeah, so I mean, my burden is for people to look at what's actually happening around you. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for being hypocrites because they could recognize the weather, but they couldn't tell the times they're in. Um, Use the faculties that God gave you. Uh, Look at things not as an ideologue and a fool who's unwilling to learn and listen, um, but actually consider information integrated into your thinking. Uh, don't have an uh, an idolatrous view of authorities. Um, your doctor and your politicians are not God. Uh, they are prone to the same errors that I am, that you both are. Uh, they are both uh, carry the same weaknesses and shortcomings and finiteness. They don't know everything. Um, they are susceptible to the same judgment errors and judgment. All of these things. Uh, you need to approach them as you would normal human beings, as the Bible defines them. Uh, this kind of blind trust and unwillingness to just think through things and apply the same standards to 
professionals and experts and politicians that are applied to everyone else. Uh, it's just flat out unbiblical. And what ends up happening, it's not as though you set those aside for everyone. It's that the people who disagree with them then are the ones judged and condemned, right? right. It's, it's, it's not like you just, as, as you just ascribe the same level of competence to everyone. It's just you select some people and you say that they are above the rest of us. They're above all weakness and error and flaws. And it's just totally misguided. So Christians need to be aware of this. Um, need to be aware of the, the the state. When I say politics, I mean the state exercise of power. And that can be through legislation, but it can also be through manipulation. Yeah, through the media as we're seeing it now, which is essentially just another arm of the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to be like the men of Issachar yeah. who could discern the times, right? Mm-hmm. They knew what was going on. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, you want to give us a couple of those names again? Uh, so if people want to look look these people up on social media. Yeah. I've, I've personally heard Dr. Byron Bridal speak on, uh, I believe, on the Liberty Dispatch podcast and mm-hmm. found it pretty informative. So Yeah, he's one of the, he's one of the more public guys right now. Uh, Dr. Bonnie Millard was the other name, and then Dr. Michael Palmer. And all three of them are associated with the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. Mm-hmm. And so that was, at the, at the event, that was a place where they were um, kind of pushing people to go to to get more information about this kind of stuff. We'll put they, a link. Yeah. yeah. And they've done, I believe they've done research into like early treatments as well. That yes. Sort of thing. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, that's another thing we don't hear talked about, right? Mm-hmm. There are other ways to combat this mm-hmm. other than, you know, uh, a prophylactic um, sort of approach with a vaccine. Mm-hmm. They don't bring in billions of dollars, though. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, ivermectin's cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. Cheap enough for the horses, at least. All right. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on here. We actually had a, a listener question this week. I don't know if you have a copy of it, if you want to read it verbatim, or if you just want me to summarize just it. Just summarize it. It was a good question. We had a listener write in and ask uh, regarding our lying uh, lies and, and the truth episode we did uh, two times ago. Or maybe she said, like, why do you guys lie so much? Yeah, why do you lie? <laughs> well, we lie for lots of reasons. But the question was basically, um, you know, you're going to say you're going into a restaurant and they want to know, yeah, have you been around a large crowd of people or... Uh, are you feeling sick? And and you know you don't have COVID, but maybe you got a runny nose and they're asking about headaches and all these other things that we get on a day-to-day basis. Is it okay to lie about those things? Mm-hmm. And sort of where's the line, I guess, is, is kind of the thrust of the question. So I'll throw it over to you. I got some thoughts as well. But um, Yeah, this is, this is a good question. And one of the things she finished with is expressing a concern for the slippery slope. Right. Um, I think... Most Christians, most Christians struggle with this tension. I know that lying is wrong in some kind of way because my Bible tells me and my conscience. Uh, one of the Ten Commandments says, "You shall not bear false witness," which isn't synonymous with lying, by the way, and we shouldn't reduce it to such. Um, but there are kinds of lies that are clearly wrong. Do not lie to one another. Um, Paul tells us in the New Testament, uh, and yet at the same time, most Christians. God willing, if they were in Nazi Germany um, and their neighbor came to them and said, the guards are coming for my family and I to take us to the gas chambers. Can we hide in your basement? 
um, when the Gestapo showed up, would not feel wrong about saying there's no one here and I don't know where they are. And so the question for a lot of Christians is, what category is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it's almost like we all recognize that there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. It's just finding the line and defining it in a way where we know our own sinful inclinations aren't going to want to push it too far. Yeah. Right. So it's important, um, especially in the Decalogue, I mean, it's, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, which is not an absolute prohibition against any kind of dishonesty whatsoever. It's a prohibition against maliciously saying something that isn't true about your neighbor um, that will uh, to, do, to do them harm. Um, and it's one of the worst things. God actually hates it. I think it's Proverbs to read that. Um, God hates people who bear false witness. Um, it is an evil thing. And so we, we ought to be very careful and cautious not to bear false witness about our neighbor, to lie about them in such a way as to do them harm. Um, but there are examples in the scripture about people actually saying things that were not true in being intentionally deceptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read this about the Hebrew midwives. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, um, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. So they're being instructed uh, by the political powers that they should kill all the firstborn boys that they deliver to commit commit genocide. And because of Romans 13, they did. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Oh, wait, wait, yeah, let me keep sec. reading. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. <laughs> and not only did they ignore, but if, if you keep reading. Yeah, says, but, but let the male children live. Um, so then the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. Don't don't miss this. So they 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 directly lied to the king, but it actually says um, that God dealt well with them. He yeah. was pleased with this. So we're, sometimes in scripture, it's left ambiguous. It's just stated. We don't know. Yeah, is that good could or bad? Could be descriptive and not prescriptive. Yes. Right? But it says explicitly that God dealt well with them, but even more, the people multiplied and grew very strong. And the language of multiplied is to show that God is continuing his promise to multiply his people. That's what's going on. When you read Exodus, you read you read the genealogy continue through Genesis, and then they go down to into Exodus and they and they grow and they multiply to keep the, the promise to Abraham. And so God is clearly saying that the willful, intentional deception of the Hebrew midwives was something he blessed and was used as a blessing in his plan of redemption. There's no indication whatsoever that this was a wrong thing, and it actually was the right thing to do. Um, we read this about Rahab as well. Yep. Uh, the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men you have who have come to you, have entered your house, for they have come to search out on the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, True, the men came to me, but I do not know where they are, where where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I don't know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. 
a direct lie. Yeah, and she conspires with them too and, and formulates a plan, right, for them to get away safely. Yes. Yeah. And she did this because of her faith in God, which the writer to the Hebrews commends. Yeah. And um, she said, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. Um, she goes on to say, For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord, as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house. And, and they end up doing that. So, Rahab is an expression of faith in the God of the Bible, um, of heaven and earth, who does not lie was to tell a lie to protect God's people. And God dealt kindly with her act of faith. So clearly when we think about this, we can't make a reductionist statement that it is always wrong to be intentionally um, deceptive. That's not true. The Bible gives us explicit examples of it that are explicitly commended by God. So, I think going back to the false witness thing, it's always wrong to intentionally lie for the sake of doing harm to someone. Um, uh, yeah, to do harm to someone. I don't think it's wrong in every instance to be deceptive in order to do something righteous, like protecting babies from being killed and hiding God's people when they come to your house or hiding Jews. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, the question comes up like, well, can that be used as a slippery slope to justify other lies that are wrong? And the response is, well, anything can be used as a slippery slope. Right. We can't just take that and say, the government's doing something I don't like, like charging me too many taxes, so I'm going to hide some of my income. Yeah. Right. We can't, we can't take that approach where it's like, it's just my opinion about the government doing something I don't like. No. Right. It has to be, there has to be some other criteria for that. Yeah. The righteousness enshrined in the Bible. Like we need the full word of God to help us know what is wrong and what is right. What ought we not to engage in and what ought we to engage in? You, you can't, you have to have your conscience shaped by the scriptures um, in order to know what to do in any given situation. So, I mean, for me personally, if I was going, uh, I don't feel comfortable going to restaurants and and giving them in um uh if they were asking me like screening questions do you have you had a headache or a runny nose sneezing yeah it's and like, i don't I have those every day almost yeah except for the headache but you know, i don't personally <laughs> i don't personally feel in my conscience that i want to lie on that um because of the kind of slippery slope thing it's like i don't need to go to this restaurant the righteousness does not require me to go here. Right. Um, but if someone asks me, for example, when the government forbids us gathering and threatens us, um, threatens us to do so, if they ask me, you know, where are you going to be meeting this week? I'm 100% fine with not answering or actually telling them something completely false. Yeah. 100%. Um, and, and it just takes your mind being conformed to the word of God and to know what righteousness really is. What does God really require of me? And to make sure you always do those things. And if it requires deception to do, um, 
then sometimes that may be the case. So there's there's no like is this because it's not just is it wrong in this instance or not. It's like well, there are objectively wrong times where it's wrong to lie. Um, tax is a good one, but that's because the Bible says render to Caesar was Caesar's, and that's taxes. Um, but there are times where it's not, and I think each individual conscience you have to be susceptible to. And this is most of the Christian life. This isn't just lying. Um, the, the way to love your neighbor, I mean, it's it's sinful to um, refuse to do something you ought to. But how do you know when someone comes and asks you for a favor what you ought to do in that instance? If God requires, if love requires you to do that, it's not the same for everyone. It depends on many factors that only pertain to you often in those situations. So, I don't think, I'm just trying to answer the slippery slope thing. It's like, this is how Christians live their life, is we have to have our conscience shaped by the word Mm -hmm. and be sensitive to that. Have our powers of discernment sharpened, right? by constant practice. So, I would say if you go to the restaurant, they ask you a question, and you don't feel that in faith and good conscience before God, you can say no. Don't. Don't. Don't do that because you will sear your conscience and you will get used to telling lies. But if you, uh, you know, the state comes and says, you know, we're going to take away your kids unless you get a vaccine. Have you been vaccinated? Um, And you feel like you need to defend your children and you could do so by just a simple yes. And yet you, you know, you, you just feel kind of scared and you don't. Well, don't do that either. Um. Yeah. So I, I hope that's helpful. I mean, you can follow up with us. Yeah. Um, and any other any other listeners? Yeah, send those questions in. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, show topics. You know, things you want to talk about. Yeah, I got one of those. Hate from mail. Someone. Hate mail. We'll pass it along to Jacob. Hate mail goes to <laughs> yeah. uh, forget about it at the podcast dot com. Yeah, or we'll pass it along to Jacob. Just no, seriously, you could email any of us uh, at my email address. I'll, I'll forward that along to the guys. Uh, Jeremy at the dominionpodcast.com. Yeah. So, well, it's been a good one, boys. Thanks for joining us, Jacob. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to have you back sometime. We should we should get those band stories at the beginning or the end sometime. we got to tell some of those stories. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We can get those in. I mean, I don't have any. I wish that groupie, maybe. <laughs> but anyways... I've got stories, believe you me. <laughs> Most of them I try and forget, but uh, we, can, we can dredge them up. Oh, yeah, croquettes. If you've ever had a croquette, it's delicious. That's true. Picture ground meat inside of a deep-fried breaded shell. But it's you had delicious. it from a vending machine. Oh, yeah, from a vending machine. <laughs> and it was still one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> Weren't you living in a van? I was living time? in a van somewhere in Amsterdam or something like that. The kind of place where you would buy a deep fried meat log out of a vending machine. <laughs> he was at a gas station, too. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it was delicious. I remember it. I remember it to this day. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us on uh, another episode of the Dominion Podcast. We will be back next week, and mm-hmm. uh, I will post some links in the show notes, links to our YouTube page, which after this discussion, 
uh, even though we've only got one episode on there so far, we're probably going to get booted <laughs> off YouTube. As a, Maybe we shouldn't put I this up. Yeah. And uh, luckily, we're putting stuff on Rumble as well, so you'll be able to go on there and check that out. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time on the Dominion Podcast. <laughs>